Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. Exposure is the best thing that can happen to you because it allows you to live the life that God wants you to live. And that sounded like the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard because I had lived my the majority of my life thinking if people only knew the real me, they'd hate me. And this was saying the exact opposite. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect podcast. Well, if you've been hanging around here for any length of time, you know that Mark and I are passionate about marriage. Um, Our marriage uh, went through a very dark crisis. It was 2011, 2012, so a little over 10 years ago, and we have recovered from that, and not only that, but God has really created something beautiful out of that. And that is our marriage ministry where we have our marriage courses. um, We have our marriage coaching that we offer. And then we have our marriage 2.0 intensive where we help couples um, who are either in a good place, stay in a good place or who are in a hurting place, find the hope and the help that they need. Mark and I are really open about our story, and we believe that that is important. But it's often hard to find couples who have gone through infidelity or hard things in their marriage to be also open about their story. So that's why we are excited about today's episode. So this is a conversation that Mark and I had with Ryan and Kristen Eller. And Ryan and Kristen, they're not speakers, they're not authors, but they are everyday folks who have been through something hard and come out to the other side of it. Now, whether infidelity is a part of your story or not, you're still going to benefit from this conversation because they talk about lessons learned, how to build intimacy in marriage. It is a powerful conversation. So tune in and get your heart ready to learn. Ryan and Kristen Eller, it is so good to have you join us and and to be willing to share your story. Well, we're glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited for the conversation. So tell us just a little bit about yourselves kind of outside of your story. What do you do um, on a day-to-day basis? Tell us a little bit about your family, how long you've been married, all the good stuff. So we got married. We're college sweethearts. We got married in uh, 2008. Sorry, we should know that. We started dating in 2006, (laughs) got married in 2008, and... Uh, we had uh, our first, our daughter in 2011, our son in 2015. So there's the four of us, uh, Jane and Caleb. She's 10 now. He is six. They're a lot of fun. And we're in a really cool phase of life right now where we're hanging out and they're self-sufficient. We're not having to change diapers and yeah. uh, they can mostly feed themselves and take care of themselves and wake themselves up and put themselves to bed. So it's really fun. And we're in the throes of we're in the throes of like sports parents, and mm-hmm. so they they both run track and my, they both play soccer, and we're really fun. Uh, and then I'm uh, we have a few rental properties, so I do property management, and I'm also 
this close to being done with my dissertation for my doctorate degree. And wow. you can all right. Um, I'm Kristen, and for work, I do accounting for oil and gas, um, and hmm. been my job for ten years now. Okay. And I'm thankful she's an accountant, so I don't have to do it. Of course, <laughs> all our, we all get our hands on the rental properties from time to time. So. Right, right. I'm sure if it's the family business, then yeah, then we really have to make it the family business sometimes, right? Right, right. Yeah, and I went from uh, I did leadership training for about ten years. I was in the educational world and uh, transitioned into doing the rental properties and working with my hands, which was a huge, huge transition. Did that for about three years, uh, almost four years. And now do the, we have a small crew, so I do more of the management side of things. And uh, I'm a stay-at-home dad for the summer. So Ah. I have a uh, renewed and increased respect for stay-at-home parents uh, Mm -hmm. after doing this for now the last two summers. It's a really hard job. Uh, Yes, it is. I would rather rather go and not, this might sound bad. (laughs) I would just say I'd rather go and um, do some plumbing work uh, because it's easier than it is to stay at home with the kids for the summer. And we've got easy kids, but it's still it's a real challenge. Yeah. 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 So true. Hard work, intentionality. And yeah, I was a stay at home mom for almost 20 years and it is not easy. So I totally get it. Yeah. I was to say it's fun, though, because we're making memories that I know that are cemented into their early childhood mm-hmm. and um and it's really valuable for them to see their mom work and be a or see Kristen work and be a really strong presence in their life as well so oh. it's just it's a really fun balance right now yeah well um Kristen we were talking before we hit record that this you know even having the conversation in this this is like really a stretch for you. You're a behind the scenes girl. Give me numbers. Give me mm-hmm. spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> the comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you guys have a story that um, you have come to the other side of. And one of the things that we're, we're passionate about sharing our story, but we're also passionate about allowing others to share their stories because it's in our stories um, that we offer hope to others and we offer help to others because our stories also teach us lessons. Mm -hmm. And so we just really would love for you guys to share uh, your marriage story and uh, the journey that you've been on. And so if you would, uh, Ryan, begin to uh, kind of unfold uh, the story of uh, what you guys have walked through uh, over uh, quite a few years. Well, I would say first and foremost that, you know, life on the outside looked pretty good from the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. Um, We mentioned earlier, I had a business. It was really successful. Kristen was doing great at her job. Our kids are uh, beautiful little kids in our family. We got to travel and got to have fun and got to experience a lot of stuff. And from the outside looking in, I think one would assume that things were all great. Uh, And I, I would say particularly with me. And Mm -hmm. I started living uh, what I would say a double life that there was this side of me that was the good father and good husband and, you know, a respected member of the community and successful. And then there was this other side of me that really was shame based and was hiding um, probably from early childhood. um, And I have the best parents in the world, but I, I attended a church that was real hellfire and brimstone and and preached a message that was uh, pretty tough for a, a young man to hear, uh, particularly about sexuality and healthy sexuality. And so there was a side of me that um, was living in the shadows mm-hmm. of secrecy and mm-hmm. not transparent. And so I was seeking something to fill that void um, really uh, in a way that that was um, just wholly unhealthy. And so I started um, behind the scenes, I started typical snowball behavior when it comes to infidelity in that it started with flirting 
or just being a little bit inappropriate in relationships, uh, not, uh, not near strong enough boundaries when it came to relationships with people I worked with or, uh, people I knew. Um, and it kind of snowballed, not kind of definitely snowballed from there mm-hmm. where it went from that to messaging to, uh, relationships outside the marriages, um, whether I was traveling or people I worked with and then full blown long-term, uh, relationship infidelity outside the, the marriage. And, mm. uh, Kristen, we had one side that was, uh, Kristen and I had one side that was really good and we had this other side. So our marriage, uh, was falling apart, which makes a ton of sense, right? I was traveling for work up to, I don't know, more than half time, 70% of the time I was, I was gone Mm -hmm. from the house. So, uh, Kristen was basically a single mother and I was giving everyone else my best and Kristen got the rest. And Mm -hmm. so whenever I came home, I was distant and tired and, uh, not, uh, intentional or present. I mean, really I was not present in the relationship. So things Mm -hmm. really started to snowball out of control and, the summer of 2018, uh, those two lives, my public life and my private life, they exploded publicly with a infidelity. Uh, and my everyone that, that knew me started to find out about this private life. Started off mm-hmm. with people I worked with, and then eventually Kristen heard the story. Um, and it was like pulling teeth to get me to tell the truth. Uh, but at some point all the chips were laid on the table and we just got it all out. Um, so that's, that was kind of the pre story. Uh, and then the, the tipping point, you know, the linchpin was that I got caught trying to have an inappropriate relationships with one of my friend's wives. And so he found out and it just absolutely ballooned from there. That was the linchpin. And then it's kind of our relationship before then. And it's our relationship after then Mm -hmm. is kind of where it, uh, kind of where those, our story changes. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of the pre-story. So we call that, um, in our relationship, we call that, that was Mark and Jill 1.0 and this is Mark and Jill 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you definitely have experienced that as well. Right. So Kristen, um, talk a little bit about what you were sensing, what you were feeling. Uh, were you trying to address it? Um, what was happening on your side before you even knew all of this? She's about to cry, <laughs> by the way. I, it's okay. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. I can't talk about like emotions yeah. and how I was feeling without really just feeling to them <laughs> any point in life. Um, but I had definitely put up walls in my marriage. And I thought these walls would protect me um, from being hurt. And I even, you know, occasionally I had thoughts like, I hope he is having an affair with so-and-so because then at least one of us would be happy. Um, (laughs) And totally didn't mean that, it turns out. But I definitely had closed myself up off from the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so important for us. You know, what I often say is I didn't cause Mark's affair, but I contributed to the dysfunction in our marriage. And you're identifying that was one piece that was Mm -hmm. playing out that wasn't helping uh, you guys to have a, a deep connection. Yeah. And for me, like he said, he was traveling so much. Um, I definitely kind of got in a codependent relationship with my daughter. You know, she was my world. I was her world. We were together Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then dad would come home and it just always was a disruption kind of thing. Ah, so, um, for our audience members that don't know what codependent means, can you describe what codependent means? Uh, he can describe it better. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. no, so I for I think what Kristen is, uh, is sharing is that she was putting her, um, I, I didn't necessarily say identity, but she was putting her uh, happiness and her 
uh, needs into our relationship with our daughters. So Mm -hmm. seeking seeking out that fulfillment uh, through that relationship, which, you know, codependency can be really unhealthy because your ups and downs and positives and negatives can flow through another person. And, you know, needing that, needing that validation through that. So when that disruption occurred, whenever I came back into the picture, things changed for Kristen and things changed for Kristen and Jane. So, you know, her identity was now switched and her emotions were now switched and things changed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, Kristen, you were, um, you can now look back and you can now see those walls, but you didn't know that then, right? You had no idea. And honestly, that being able to talk about that is because you've done your own work mm-hmm. in this healing situation. Yeah, um, we, we read a book that talked about windows versus walls and how hmm. we can have our own identity uh, and, and have our relationship that's, we're not, we're in the same room, but there's not windows and doors between us where we're shutting off and, uh, sequestering from each other. And let's be very clear. I had, I had walls up as well. We had lots of walls Mm -hmm. up. We still struggle with the walls. It's very easy to put this wall between us. Um, whether it's with hobbies or, uh, mm-hmm. thoughts, ideas, you know, the way we view the world, we can put up these walls and say, it's, well, it's more uncomfortable to talk about this. So let's just hide inside this little room that we have, um, where we, we're, we're not being open and honest and transparent with each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally. so true. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think that's a, not that it makes it right, but that's a normal pattern right. for us. And then, uh, as we move to healthy, it's really learning how to to stop the building of those walls or to disassemble them, to disassemble them. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. OK, so uh, let's go back to the day that everything exploded and suddenly the world knows that there's two Ryans. What happens? Um, so for me, I think I got a call while I was at work that kind of shook things up more for me from the guy whose wife, you know, that Ryan tried to have the relationship with and he knew about the other affair and he told me about it. And Ryan had already denied that that was a thing to me directly. Um, I think I called one of my parents maybe on the way Mm -hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And was just talking it through. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I was like, he hasn't said, but I already know. And I was like, do I know? And my dad or my mom, I don't remember who it was. They were like, I think you know. And yes. so, <laughs> I came home and I pretty much said, like, you haven't told me and you don't ever have to tell me because I already know. But if you don't tell me in this moment, there's no trust. There's not a chance. Well, she said that, and there's no hope of our relationship ever moving forward if you don't tell me the truth. Yeah. And this was after a week. So um, that what happened was on a Friday and this was seven full days later. It was on another Friday. Mm -hmm. And so when I say it was pulling teeth, I was had a staggered disclosure. I was given little bits of information, which now I know is incredibly unhealthy. Um, that it had been better for both of us just to say, hey, here's everything, no matter how hard it's ripping the Band-Aid off, no matter how hard this is for us to hear, it's still better than hearing little bits of pieces uh, over long stretches of time. And it wasn't just a week. It was much longer than that. That it, My staggered disclosure took over a month, and so did Kristen's, right? So uh, during that time, we, you know, we found out that there was a lot of stuff we were both hiding from each other, mm-hmm. and it took – it took a couple months counseling, um, formal disclosure process where we sat down with counselors and we wrote it out. We read it to each other. They vetted to make sure that we were including what needed to be included, making sure there wasn't justifiers in there or uh, to make it sure that it was black and white and as clear as it possibly could be. We're not putting in euphemisms mm-hmm. in there or, or anything uh, that we were going to say, this is what happened. This is when it happened. This is how it happened. This is how much money we spent, whatever the case may be. 
yes. and sit down and share that with each other. That mm-hmm. process took a while. So, uh, but on that day, um, he did end up telling me about mm-hmm. the long-term fair. And um, from there, I, I uh, scream cried all the way to a friend's house. I'm sure. <laughs> yes. I bet. I'm sure you did. I bet. And um, I stayed there for a while. I decided I wanted to ask Ryan to leave. Mm-hmm. And um can't remember exactly what happened, but I came back. And it ended up that both my mom and Ryan's mom came and spent some time at the house with me. Mm. Spent the night that night. Mm. So hard. Yeah. And so, Ryan, <laughs> you left? Yeah, I left and um, I met my parents. That was another hard thing because I wasn't just living a double life from uh, Kristen and people, but from my family as well. So I mm-hmm. had to call my parents, um, which, you know, uh, some yeah. of the best people on the planet. I had yeah. to call them and I had to admit what's going on to them, too, and just say, uh, hey, I'm this is what's happening. And Kristen's asked me to leave and I'm going to have to come stay with you. And I didn't have a whole lot of options of where to go. And so my parents live about two hours away. We met halfway and my dad took me back home and my mom took my car back to Kristen so that they could spend more time together. And so they really rose to the occasion and met us in the need where we needed to be met at, including Kristen's Mm -hmm. parents. But uh, yeah, I I was kicked out of the house, rightfully so, and uh, Mm -hmm. lived with my parents for a while. Okay. Uh, Mm-hmm. That's that's neat that both of you have supportive parents because that's really not common mm-hmm. today. No. It's it's rare. Sometimes it's even rare for someone to have one supportive parent. You know, so how neat that you had both. Well, and isn't I mean, Kristen, go back to that for a moment. I know when I in our case, I I discovered the infidelity in October. Mark didn't actually leave until February. And, but when he left, that was extremely, extremely painful for me. And, um, and it wasn't that I kicked him out because he kept recommitting to our marriage, but then he would go back to the affair and he Mm -hmm. did that several, seven times until he finally, he left to pursue the other relationship. So ours Mm -hmm. was kind of drug out, but, um, I know I had some, uh, some friends that showed up on my doorstep, uh, within an hour. I mean, all I had to do was send out a text and, and I had a couple of friends that were there immediately. My father came over a couple of days later and stayed with me and boy, just the presence of people in your deepest hour of pain. Mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit. What was that like to have your mom and your mother-in-law and, and I know your mother-in-law personally. She is um, a, a a woman of deep faith and deep compassion. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this was so hard being that this was her son. But talk about w- what that was like for you and how they ministered to your heart. Um, I definitely felt very loved um, to have them both there. I remember that first night at 3 a.m. I called Ryan because... And it occurred to me that there was a pregnancy and I didn't know if it was his or not. And I was asking him some questions about if they were using protection and whatnot. And I came in from that conversation and fell on the ground and wept. And my mother-in-law was sleeping in the living room where I fell on the ground and she came Mm -hmm. and just embraced me. Yeah. And it was so cool. It was very nice to have her there. I think she probably even started praying over me. No, yeah. she definitely did. I don't. I don't know the story, but I know she did. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know your mother. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes there are no words. I mean, the night that Mark left, um, my friend Becky came, and she said, "My husband." She was an empty nester. She said, "My husband said to stay as long as I need to." So she came with her suitcase, yeah. and in the middle of the night. I was crying Mm -hmm. and I remember hearing the door creak open and she came in and she just laid next to me on the outside of the sheets and just 
and just help me. Mm. Like there were no words, Mm -hmm. right? And so it was just her presence in that uh, terribly painful moment. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if somebody goes through this, I mean, I just want our listeners to know that if somebody goes through something um, deep and dark, like infidelity or any kind of painful situation, just your mere presence says a lot. You don't even have to come up with the words. Um, You know, it's kind of wild, um, being the guy who had the affair, uh, we've talked about this openly for quite a few years and most often I do good. Sometimes I, that guilt comes back up and, uh, and I have to work that out with the Lord. Uh, today I'm incredibly emotional, but not from guilt. It's I'm, I have gratitude that both of you and really you too, Ryan, that you had a place to go that was healthy. Uh, and I'm just thankful that, that, that that's a vision for people that there, there is hope and help. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it wasn't just my family um, or not just my parents either. My sisters really rallied around me and I had a, a dear friend uh, that is about 10 years younger than me. And I've always mm-hmm. had a mentor mentee relationship. I've, I've been the mentor. He's been the mentee and he had worked for me. And, uh, we, he just, uh, and his wife, they said, you're, you're welcome in our house anytime. And you can stay here as long as you need to, because they lived closer and they were okay. like, you to be able to see your kids. So you're welcome to stay here. And so, yeah, I mean, having the community was really important, especially for me, because I had let a lot of people down. Mm-hmm. And I went from having a lot of friends and a lot of supporters and people who could take care of me to having about a handful. And like I said, my, there were the majority of people in my life, I were shunning me and not from a bad way, just from a, this guy's chaotic and mm-hmm. uh, is that his life's in disaster right now. And I don't want to get involved in this because uh, there's too much pain there. And mm-hmm. uh, because I hurt a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was and, but I did have people who stepped up um, at the moment, just like Kristen did, who said, it doesn't matter. I don't like what you did. I don't like what you did at all. Let's be very clear, but I know who you are as a person. And so what you do does not define you. And like, I, even this guy is a big, strong, he's a police officer. He's a big, strong, um, masculine man. And I was in the room uh, crying and he said, that is I was like, I hate this so much. And he set me down and he just, he grabbed me by the face with his big old bare hands. <laughs> and he said, I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me really, really well. He was like, I love you no matter what, um, mm-hmm. you know, no matter the circumstance, like you are a good person and, and you are good and God loves you and on and on and on. And so like, I had that, there is, there is hope there in finding that you, you and I didn't have to seek it out, which is really nice, but, um, right. But, you know, there, there is hope. And if someone's going through this scenario, you got to find the right people who can speak into you, who, who mm-hmm. will be honest and say, like, hey, I don't like what you did. I don't like it at all. Um, but I, I care about you and I love you. And mm-hmm. I'm here for you. Yeah, I yeah. absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, Kristen, um, are you believing in the possibility that your marriage can survive this or are you thinking we're done. So my gut wrench was, I got to get out. I got to protect myself now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I automatically uh, went through the process of um, starting to file. Mm -hmm. So didn't, didn't she did? Yeah, I did. Okay. (laughs) So you filed for divorce right away. Um, And then I got a series of people speaking hope in, into my life. Um, one of them, my daughter was about to start at public school for the first time in first grade. She had done private school in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a neighbor around the street um, who had a daughter the same age. And we didn't know them very well yet. Um, but I remember getting vulnerable and calling her and saying like, Hey, my daughter's going through a lot right now. 
and I don't want her to go in. They want to not know someone. So I'm hoping that the girls can get to know each other this summer. And um, just ended up verbally spewing everything onto her. And <laughs> she told me that she had been through the same with her husband and that there was hope in that situation. Um, mm-hmm. She told me that they really got a lot out of starting to go to uh, Battle Creek Church, which was actually the church we were already going to some. Uh, <laughs> okay. That was just like the first spark of hope, right? Right. It yeah. was like, oh, the, like it was almost just this first time of maybe yeah. there, this could be okay. Mm-hmm. Like we could get better. Yeah. Um, And... From there, I think I also listened to just like a podcast that was talking about Paul and, you know, his transformation. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that sermon three times in a row because it was hitting me right where I was at. It was a transformation church here in Tulsa. I don't know if you've heard that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, it was someone that had had an affair with him. Uh that had said she wanted to go to the church with me and we had been good friends and it just was a random thing that I even listened to this podcast with the church and it impacted me greatly. It wasn't random, honey. Right. <laughs> um, right. The Holy Spirit connected you. Yeah. My monster for that time came, you know, in my weakness, I'm stronger because of, God working in my life and Mm -hmm. Lord. And I saw during the months that we um, spent apart that Ryan was going to change with or without me. He was putting in the work. Mm -hmm. He went um, pretty right away to a program called onsite. It was a residential um, treatment center. Uh, for 10 days. So it wasn't for, it wasn't the extended stay, but it was um, let's get away and figure out some stuff. So Mm -hmm. did that pretty early on by the recommendation of my sister. And there were a lot of things that uh, you talk about. I, I'm fortunate. I have a twin sister and she's got a PhD in counseling and she is a wise individual. And she showed up in a way that, you know, only someone like her can show up in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she was very blunt with me and very realistic and did some very small things early on that turned out to be huge things. And she's like, you got to change your phone number right away. So I went and changed my phone number. And she said, you got to go from a smartphone to a flip phone. I used, I was on a flip phone for two years, for two years. Um, mm-hmm. And she said, you've got to get off all your social media. So I got off all my social media and she's like, Here's, you know, who are the people in your life that you need to kind of say like, Hey, I need a break and you need to take a break from those people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, these are things that you need to say. So stuff like, you know, no matter what you do, it's not just things to say. She's like, these things you have to, no matter what Kristen decides, if she wants to leave you, if she wants to do something different, like it doesn't matter. Like you have to change and, you know, things have to change for you. And so anything that bad happens or anything that's hard for you to swallow that Kristen comes across, you say, well, of course you feel that way. Uh, that makes sense. You feel that way. Uh, regardless, I'm going to work on me and these are the things that I'm going to do. And if you choose not to pursue our relationship, well, it doesn't matter because I'm going to do these things anyways. So Mm -hmm. that was, that was kind of early on once I moved to my parents' house. Okay. Uh, Ryan, those are some big changes. Like I can see, I mean, you said they're little things, but you know, I can see people saying, I'm not giving up my smartphone. I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm not, not. whatever it is. Right. What motivated you? What was going on inside of you that made you say, I'll do whatever it takes. So I I had some advice at that treatment center that we came up with a list that just said, my wife is greater than. And so if, Hmm. if I had to choose this, it's a, it's a simple exercise in theory. It's hard in application, but if I had to choose between my wife and my iPhone, which one are you going to choose? Well, I'm going to choose my wife, right? 
if you have to choose between your wife and your job, which one you choose? I'm going to choose my wife, and not just my wife, my wife and my family. If I have to choose between my wife and my kids or social media, which one am I going to choose? Well, I'm going to choose this. And in that moment, you know, before then, I didn't have to choose because it wasn't um, a stumbling, a known stumbling block. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a known stumbling block. It was definitely a stumbling block. So uh, it, was, it sounds so silly, but I had the same phone number for 20 years, and I love mm-hmm. that phone number. It's my very first phone number I got when I got my very first cell phone. Like I didn't want to get rid of that cell phone number. It was was special to me. But then I I look at it and I say, what's more important, the cell phone number or having a relationship with my wife and kids? That's an easy answer. But Mm -hmm. yeah, of course, I mean, don't get me wrong. I said all the same things. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. There was pushback for me. I, I just recognized in the reality of the situation that if it was between this and that, well, Kristen wins and the kids win every single time. Yeah. yeah, it was just it, it it became very black and white and very real for me. There wasn't a whole lot of gray area in there mm-hmm. and recognize that, uh, you know, they talk a lot in the addiction circles that if if you want to change, everything has to change. And so mm. there's this idea of like if you put your pants right leg on first every morning, well, now go ahead and put it on the left leg first so that you can start having this change. Mm-hmm. You start focusing on let's do every single thing different until we create new positive habits and new identity in different different areas of our life. And so it's like, okay, if I have to change, it's going to be a whole change. And we're going to start with these things and then we're going to move to the hard things later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So Kristen, what I'm hearing you saying is you were seeing that Ryan was doing the work, even though you, you had filed for divorce, you'd started this process, but you're seeing that he's doing the work. So that I'm thinking that is birthing a little bit of hope in you. Definitely a lot of hope in that. And I think, well, I'll say that during that time with, when hope was happening, Kristen was doing some work too. She mentioned listening to, the podcast was more than that. She really dove into her face, faith, um, mm-hmm. face on and said, like, during this time of need, I'm going to have to refocus on what some, uh, you know, priorities are for our life, too, and for her life. Mm-hmm. It was after reconciliation that we started all the book studies and that kind of stuff, right? No. Okay. So I think pretty quickly along the way, I got a recommendation from a family member who had gone through some of the same stuff. Uh, for the book, not just friends. Yes, so I'm familiar yeah. with that. And um, for whatever reason, I think pretty quickly I agreed to go through it with Ryan and mm. reading it together and talking through our emotions. Do our own book club. Okay. <laughs> and that was real impactful for us in the journey. Um, just getting honest with each other during that time. Mm-hmm being honest about what was hurting me as I was reading, what Mm -hmm. I was feeling. Yeah, that was, that was the opportunity of hope for me. I wasn't seeing a lot of hope. Uh, Kristen might've been, but I wasn't. So Mm -hmm. reached out and said, Hey, this is something that was given to me. And she had already read a little bit of it. And part of the wisdom of that book was like, Hey, this is going to have to be a team sport. So Ah. hope for reconciliation. Then you guys need to do this book together. And as hard as it might be, so she bought me a copy. I think you bought me a copy. Uh, she bought me, a, we'll just say <laughs> she bought me a copy. Um, and so we started doing that together uh, separately, if that makes sense, because we weren't doing it in the same room, but we were having conversations about there's exercises in there and there's questions. And uh, so that's why I say Kristen's putting in the work at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's cool. A big uh, turning point, and there were kind of two of them um, of uh, reconciliation. I think the first one was uh, we were hanging out with the kids. Um, he had spent the day with them, and we we're together at the park for a little bit, and then he was going to head back to Fayetteville. And Caleb ended up growing up in my daughter's mouth that evening. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Oh God! My son did that to my daughter, and um, I was feeling a bit overwhelmed. I bet, and and I didn't really want to face the evening alone with the kids. So I said, "Hey, you stay here. I'm going to sleep on the floor in Caleb's room, but I want you here overnight." That was awesome. 
Yeah, that was awesome. And that, that was more, that was a, a real turning point for us. I think I said after that, that I'd like him to stay the next night too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a little baby step, just a yeah. little baby step. It was like taking a risk. Yeah. And then the other one that was big for us is he was officiating a friend's wedding in Telluride, Colorado. And we had planned to go together. And then I said, I'm not going. And then I said, but I really want to go. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, let's just do it. I want to go. Let's go. Well, and I'd say part of that that too is another buddy really stepped up and he was like, I, I was set to officiate a few weddings that summer. And I called them and said, hey, this is where I'm at right now. And and two of them said, no, thank you. Um, And this guy said, okay. Um, He said, I really want you there. Let me talk to my fiance, but I still want you there. And and that meant a lot to me. And he he called me back and said, well, we want you there. And we feel like it's destined for you to be there, but we don't want you to come without Kristen. And I was like, Mark, there's no way Kristen's coming. I mean, there's absolutely no way that Kristen's going to come. And he was like, well, why don't you ask her? And I was like, I'm not even going to ask her. And he said, okay, if you want to fish at our wedding, you have to ask her and tell her to come. Tell her Mark and Danielle want her to come. And I was like, okay, I'm going to ask her, but I know the answer. And so I asked Kristen and she was like, okay, I'll come. <laughs> I was shocked. Then yeah. we get on the airplane. And I was like, I don't even know what to do. I don't know if, if we if talk, talk if we to each talk. other. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do in this scenario. Uh, and we, mm-hmm. we read some of that book together and we talked some of that stuff over and be very, very clear. We fought a lot on that trip. Um, there mm-hmm. were times we stayed up almost all night long fighting, but there were also times when we stayed up and just talking and having, mm-hmm. you know, good conversations and even laughing together. So that, that was a pivotal moment in our relationship. Wow. And I was yeah. saying, I've got another one too, is my birthday is in the summer. So this happened early summer and my birthday Chris invited me and she got, um, the kids all together, got me a cake mm-hmm. and Jane got me a ridiculous shirt. It's got a yak. that's in the 4th of July colors. And, uh, which is my favorite shirt to this day, but, mm-hmm. um, said, come to the, come to the house and we'll do birthday together. And so that was a big, huge turning point. So she was showing, uh, signs of willingness to, um, at least have a cordial relationship. Um, yeah. that was, you know, still very guarded and, and mm-hmm. still, you know, many hard times, but it was saying like, Hey, you're still going to be a part of your kid's life and you're still going to be a part of our life. And we're going to learn to coexist together because it's important. Right. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where we were at. And that happened within the first few months. Right. Okay. So at what point, Kristen, did you make a determination to drop the divorce? I think it was right during after the Colorado trip, Colorado trip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember okay. very well. It was a Colorado trip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So at this point you're thinking, okay, I don't, I don't know that the divorce is needed and you guys are beginning mm-hmm. to see the hope that maybe things could be restored. Yes. We talked it out. We regained some intimacy. We discovered that, in truly knowing each other, there was a deeper relationship. Yes. You didn't even know what you didn't know. Mm -hmm. Right. We, I mean, I feel now like we had just been doing marriage all wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Guarding ourselves and only showing each other the sides that we wanted to show each other. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now he knows that. I can be a very full of grace. (laughs) I was, I was very cold in our marriage for a lot of years. Okay. And when there was, I don't know, there just was so much unknown between who we both were. Sure. Um, I know that torn will song known is Mm -hmm. a Christian song, but it also really applies to our relationship. Um, Yeah. To be fully known and loved is a whole different level of love than to show someone what you want them to see and be loved. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's one of the cool things. uh, Another sermon series right there that really meant to me was like exposure is the best thing that can happen to you because it allows you to live the life that God wants you to live. Mm -hmm. And that sounded like the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard because Mm -hmm. I had lived my, the majority of my life thinking if people only knew the real me, they'd hate me. 
And this mm-hmm. was saying the exact opposite is if people know the real you, they're going to love you more. And mm. I found that play out over the years, not just through my relationship with Kristen, but my relationship with my family and my friends, that the more honest and transparent that I can be, yes. uh, live a life where that you know, they're going to see the goods. And not everybody deserves that level of intimacy and vulnerability, but the people that are close to my life that do, they need that. They deserve that of this is who I am. This is who I really, really am. And you're going to see this. And people love me more because of it. And Kristen was one of those. She loves me more mm-hmm. now. Um, and it's still so counterintuitive. Every time that I want to hide something, I know that I should be telling her the truth. And every single time still, I'm like, no, I don't want to do that because she's going to be mad at me and it's going to make things mm-hmm. worse. And then every time it makes things better. It sounds yeah. so ridiculous, but it's true. Isn't that God's economy? Yeah. I mean, he says the first will be last. If you want more, you need less. I mean, it's just... It's it's opposite of what we feel and think, mm-hmm. but it's right. And um, I mean, you certainly discovered that too. You thought right. people were going to hate you, and right. the truth is, they have really honored and respected your mm-hmm. honesty. There are still some people that hate me. I, I yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, I understand but, that. But uh, you know, we're still working through the steps of you know, making amends in places where it's appropriate, but sure. it, that that's what I think that you were about to say is that, you know, this, the people who I thought were going to shun me did not shun. The right. I thought they were going to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that's the same for me. And, uh, I made amends personally with everyone that I could, uh, and, uh, when you live in the open, it's kind of hard to know who all was affected, was by affected, your but, uh, but if they contacted me, I contacted them and, uh, but definitely some don't make that bridge and that's, God's the only one who can take care of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel totally at peace with having done all that I could do. So when you guys look back and you see the themes of lessons for you, you've shared some of them, like Kristen, a big theme is I I can't have walls up. You know, those walls were keeping me from having the marriage that I really longed for. That's one thing I've heard you guys say. So what would be, as you now are on the healing side of things, Mm -hmm. you're able to look in the rearview mirror. What are some of your biggest growth points, personal or couple that you have experienced? I think, um, we made some commitments whenever we decided to start working on it. And Ryan's spoken about this some recently, but I think that serving at the church together was a big Mm -hmm. one for us. Mm -hmm. Service matters. I mean, being able to, they talk about it in the 12 step groups and they talk about it in other areas where it's like, when you serve, it's not about you. It's about others. And yeah. it's so easy to be every, to make everything about me. Uh, when, when I'm in crisis, when I'm not in crisis, uh, but particularly in crisis, it's like, man, woe is me. My life is so hard. Mm-hmm. And then I can put myself in a situation that says either a, uh, you know, my life is not as bad as I think it is, or B that there are other people who are going through similar situations. So either way, there is opportunity to make it less about me. And ideally, um, you know, the biggest lesson for me was transparency and it's not just being honest for the sake of being honest, you know, mm-hmm. honesty to me is you ask me a question. I tell you the truth. Transparency is living life in such a way that there is, uh, you don't have to ask the question, right? I mean, you just kind of, you know, you know, the answer mm-hmm. to the question. And so, you know, ideally in the big picture of things is that I'm so transparent in the way that I live my life and who I am that you see right through me. And hopefully you see Jesus on the other side of that. I mean, that's the goal, right? And so mm-hmm. through this service opportunity, I'm able to say, well, it's not about me and I'm just going to give generously for who I am. And then you can see right through that and see Jesus on the other side. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the goal. That's the lesson that I've learned is t- the more I can make it less about me. And there's some great things about me and there's great things about Kristen. And whenever I use that to glorify me, it ends in disaster nearly every single time. 
Mm-hmm. But if I'm able to glorify God through the process, then it is not a disaster. It ends wonderfully almost every single time. And so, right. go ahead. Yeah. Well, Ryan, you know what I was thinking is when you live a double life, pride is a part of that, isn't it? Right. Like, yeah. It's a, it, it's like, there's, you're mm-hmm. prideful that, Hey, look, I can, I can have my cake and eat it too. Right. So part of what I'm hearing you say of the serving is because pride is, it's all about me. And it really was it kind of disassembling that it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. And I, I author, speaker, trainer, love being on the stage. I love being in front of people. It really fills my bucket. Um, I was using that to glorify me. I, I really was. Right. And so this idea of servitude, we started serving in my daughter's uh, elementary school class at, at church. Mm-hmm. And if if you want, if I wanted to be really challenged in pride, go serve with first graders because <laughs> they don't. They're not there to fill your ego. They might love <laughs> you really well, but they don't care if I'm an eloquent speaker or not. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. just literally don't care. And yeah. so now we've served with them for several years and I'm able, it's, I'm behind the scenes and I'm, you know, with some kids and we're playing games or we're talking about the Bible or whatever the case may be, but it's not about me. And it's able to drop the pride every time I serve, if I'm using it for the right reasons, it's not about me. And I, mm-hmm. I, I that's, that's been the really powerful thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a makeover in your heart. Really, Ryan, it sounds like, I mm-hmm. mean, for both of you, you've had a, a makeover. Mm-hmm. One of the things we say in our No More Perfect Marriages book is when I'm a better me, we're a better we. Right. right. Sure. And so uh, definitely you have both done the me work so that there was even a possibility uh, of a we. How have things changed between the two of you? What are dynamics or what are things or habits that you're now doing that you weren't doing before? I'll, I'll say that the, Unlimited. Uh, <laughs> unlimited. Um, I, I read in a book somewhere that there are different levels of intimacy. Um, you know, we, we, intimacy often goes to physical intimacy, but there are, you know, rec- recreational intimacy. There is a physical mm-hmm. non-sexual intimacy. There is, uh, spiritual intimacy, there is, uh, intellectual, intellectual and in- intimacy. And so one of the things that we do is we want to engage all those different areas in our life where there were walls and mm-hmm. say, how can we start doing things together? And, you know, it, it's, it's small things. Um, I love, I'm a sports fan and Kristen likes sports, but I wouldn't say she's a sports fan. She's certainly not on my level of sports, sports fanhood, but mm-hmm. I love the Oklahoma City Thunder. And there was a wall there in that I couldn't share any of that with her because anytime I started talking about the thunder, she didn't outright say like, Hey, I don't care about this. It was very clear. She did not care about this. So there are times now where I say like, Hey, I really want to talk about the Oklahoma city thunder. Can we talk about this together? And she'll let me talk unabated for like, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Oh, I'll ask some questions too. Right. Or yeah, she'll, she's very intentional about saying like, Hey, are the Thunder going to be any good this year? Like who are their best players? And so then I can talk about it together. And Uh, I recognize as well that uh, I had started shutting off anything about her work because I, you know, she knows now I found it really boring to talk about accountancy work. Um, but I recognize at the same time that it's like, Hey, there's this whole side of her where she spends at least 40 hours a week doing stuff. And I'm not engaging in that part of her life at all. And so, Mm -hmm. and I'm infantile in my understanding of accountancy. So I would say like, okay, you're going to have, tell me about what's going on at work. And she would say some stuff and use some jargon. And I would say, okay, you're going to have to break that down for me. Yeah. And it even was just learning how to have the conversation with her about it. Like, what are these things and how do we have these conversations? And so now it's really interesting for me. And mm-hmm. instead of being boring, I'm like, Hey, tell me about, tell me about oil. Tell me about what you're working on. Tell yeah. me about the dynamics and relationships inside your offices. And how can that be a part of our life together? And so when Kristen says it's, you know, unlimited, what are some practices we're doing? It's saying we're, we're taking the, the, we put on our pants one way in the morning. Now it's saying like, okay, in a relationship, these were the habits that we were doing. 
And so let's deconstruct those and find new habits in almost every single area. And that's a continual, I think it's going to be a lifelong process Mm -hmm. investigating and researching and really diving deep into who this person is over here. Um, Mm -hmm. Not just who I am, but who, who she is. And then how can we move forward in that process together? Yeah. Oh, I love that. You're really stepping into each other's world and, and becoming learners about each other. Mm -hmm. And boy, every marriage needs that. Yeah. Uh, Whether they have gone through a crisis or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that, you know, you've just given us some great nuggets of wisdom there. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say as we kind of bring this to a close here, there's uh, someone that is listening and uh, their marriage is in a crisis. Things are dark and whether they've brought the crisis or they've been the victim of the crisis, what would you say to someone who's sitting in a dark place, scared, not sure what to do? What would you tell them? There is hope in your situation and it's not for you to figure out in your own strength. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Take the time to draw near to God because he will draw near so near to you and be so real to you in this situation. Yes. Um, Listen for wisdom from the people around you. Um, Seek their wisdom. And um, our our story, our story uh, was about as bad as it gets when it comes to relationships. Mm -hmm. So if there's hope in ours, there can be hope in yours. And it's going to be a really hard journey, but it's a war. It's a journey. that's worth it. That book that we read, not just friends, they literally said um, a couple that can go through this will find a level of intimacy that few couples ever achieve. And and I, I didn't know what that looked like. But the truth was that there is a level of intimacy that we have inside of a relationship that we would not have gotten unless we went through the trials and tribulations that we went through. Mm-hmm. And. You know, it's if, if there's a guy or a gal out there that says, man, I really, really messed up, then find that. Is this relationship important to you? And my guess is that it is and that you want to reconcile. You want to find the hope. You want to make things right. Then say my relationship is greater than and start just listing them out. Let me literally get a piece of paper and start writing out and say my relationship is greater than. And it may not be greater than your faith. You know, there, there might be some things that you walk through there and say, my relationship with my spouse is not worth losing my relationship with Christ. Okay, I get that. But your relationship with your with your partner uh, is going to be more important than the things that you look at in the day to day. And I ultimately, uh, Sarah, I quit my job, um, sold my business and stepped out of the limelight and started working with my hands. And it was not a glorious job. I mean, it was a gross job. It was a hard job. It was a sweaty job. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't feel comfortable, but I recognized in that moment that I had to choose between what I was doing and the life that I was living or Kristen and my family and my health depended on it. I needed the change and who I am as a person and who I needed to be was greater than what I was doing in my life. So there's hope there and it's really, really hard, but you'll achieve a level of intimacy that few ever do in their relationships. And that's mm-hmm. really, really powerful. Uh, yeah. We absolutely can attest to that. Yeah. Because that's us too. Yeah. Uh, we had that. The other thing I'd probably add is find a counselor. Yeah. Someone you can talk to about things. I had mm-hmm. questions from even like, hey, you know, my mind's going to thinking about people that have hurt me. How long should I allow that thought to stay there? Is it okay? What do I do next? How do I make it stop? Um, mm-hmm. Just all kinds of things that I needed to figure out how to process what I was going through. And I I needed to talk to someone and know it was okay. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you guys, thank you for being yeah. willing to share sure. the hard stuff and and really to pull back the curtain and, and, uh, share with us what, what your journey has looked like. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that this will be helpful for those that, uh, join us and, Mm -hmm. and tune into this conversation. Ryan, would you be willing to pray, uh, for our listeners and just close us in prayer? Sure. 
Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to share our story. We know that there's power in mm-hmm. sharing. There's power in uh, loosening these bonds that might bind us in our relationship. And I, I pray that that if there is a, a sprinkle of hope in someone out there, that our story mm-hmm. can help um, move that from uh, just a kindling of a flame to more of an opportunity to grow and more of an opportunity to focus on the right things and then use that whatever opportunity it is. And, you know, we pray for people out there who, who look at life and say, there's not much there for us anymore. And, and I want to speak into that and say, there is, there is hope, there's life, there's opportunity, there's growth, and there's opportunity for a better relationship with Christ inside of your story and whatever that, that situation may look like. And so thanks for the opportunity and thanks for loving us so well uh, throughout our lives. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.